Welcome back to 95 Photographer, the podcast to help you get more shoots, make more money and spend more time doing the things you love. And in today's episode, we have Christopher Becker, more commonly known as just Becker. And man, does he bring a lot of energy and enthusiasm into this episode. This guy doesn't stop. He didn't stop when he was building his photography business. He didn't stop permanently striving to get better and better and better. And even though he found global success in the world of wedding photography, he still hasn't stopped working on the next thing. Becker has shot some amazing weddings in some incredible locations, but he doesn't mind telling you that he's also shot some very normal weddings too. So he has an abundance of experience shooting weddings, but he's also an early adopter. And he talks about how he's used that to grow his business. But also, this person has gone through a major change in his life and he talks about the profound effect it's had, not just on his business, but in his private life too. I'm gonna to stop talking because right now, this mic belongs to Becca. Let me hand you across to him right now. Becca, I am chuffed as nuts to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for your time being here. Is chuffed as nuts a good thing? What's going on with that? <laughs> Yeah, chuffed as nuts is definitely a good thing. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing that's a phrase you don't say in America, is that right? No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> You're making me laugh already. <laughs> okay, so for our listeners, they can pick up on your American accent. I'd love to give them a little bit more context as to sort of where you are in the world, what sort of stage in life you're at regarding your family situation and stuff like that. Let's see here. I'm 47 years old. I'm living in St. Louis, Missouri, or just outside of St. Louis. That's where that big arch is, kind of halfway in the middle of the country. I grew up my, my whole life basically in California, mm -hmm. and uh, I moved here about seven years ago. I met a nice Midwestern girl who mm -hmm. I then married. Uh, we have two small girls and a little boy arriving next month is the plan. So, uh, yeah, we're about to have three kids, uh, kind of a doing my dad thing and you know just living mm -hmm. life loving it three kids that's um that, that's something i i can't I, I can't connect with you on i've got two and the idea of going from a family of four to a family of five a lot of things change at that point don't they yeah well we're we don't have the third one yet but it was one of those things we we, we joke around that it was one of those kind of lockdown babies when uh <laughs> you know the whole world shut down last year and we couldn't really go outside or do anything my wife and i mm -hmm. were you know trying to keep ourselves entertained and so uh, that happened. Uh, like I said, having a third kid at the age of 47 is kind of um, crazy <laughs> if you ask me, but we're actually quite excited because I'm finally getting a boy. And um, not that I don't absolutely adore my two girls. I have a, um, mm. a three-year-old and a s almost six-year-old and they're just, they're my whole world. And Aww. again, it's just been, it's been crazy being a dad. I started kind of late in life. You know, I didn't become a dad mm. until I was 41. And wow. I always tell the story when my when my dad was forty one, I was twenty. So no it's kind way. of like, uh, Whoa. yeah. So it's so yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip. But um, like I said, I'm having a good time. Um, and like I said, just just loving life every day now. And was it meeting a wife that brought you from California to St. Louis? Yeah, it was actually. I came to St. Louis to do a photography conference of all things, okay. and I'd never been to St. Louis before. Mm -hmm. But you know, I I used to speak and teach teach uh, at photography conferences and, and workshops all over the country, all over the world. And um, I found myself in St. Louis one day mm -hmm. and I did a talk in front of about 150 photographers. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because it was mostly women. There wasn't a lot of like male photographers here in St. Louis, but I was just doing my talk. And, um, you know, I was kind of fairly well known in the wedding world. And I like to, used to say I was a medium sized fish in a very, very small pond. And, you know, after afterwards, you know, a bunch of people came up. Hey, can I get my picture together? Can I get my picture with you? And 
And so, you know, I posed for, I don't know, a dozen or so pictures that day. Mm -hmm. And one of them was my wife. This girl came up. We had our picture taken. And I was like, dang, we look good together. I'm like, you should should text me that that photo. And I got her number like that. Mm -hmm. And it it was crazy because then we had a a little B-school get together the following day Mm -hmm. and kind of hung out. And a couple weeks later, I told my mom I met the girl I was going to marry. And it was just kind of like love at first sight. And I kind of knew it. And it was like... um, yeah, so now I'm here. And everyone's like, you moved from Southern California to St. Louis? And mm-hmm. I just say, have you met my wife? Because <laughs> she's pretty awesome. She's pretty awesome. So where in Southern California were you then? I was in a place called Orange County. It's about halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego, uh, about 20 miles from Disneyland, mm-hmm. and a little town called Mission Viejo, which is uh, obviously, uh, um, it's always rated one of the top five safest cities in America with a population over 100,000 people. No way. So I love that little claim to fame, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's a great little place to, to grow up. My parents still live there. They've lived there since 1975. Uh, but like I said, moved here almost seven years ago and uh, currently freezing my butt off because it's very cold <laughs> right now. Uh, snowing. The kids, the kids are actually home from school on a snow day because it's so cold and, you know, but like I said, it's, it's all good. Becky, you mentioned about B-School uh, about a couple of minutes ago. What, what is B-School? What was B-School? Is that something that's still going or, or what is it? What was it? No, okay. The B-School was a social network that I started um, for photographers about 14 years ago. Um, and it, we just, I just felt like a lot of my friends back in the day, they were teaching workshops and they were selling DVDs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to, to, um, to start my own social network. And this was kind of like right Right be- I mean, I, I started the B-School before I was even on Facebook or Twitter or anything mm, like that. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of put together a social network for photographers just to help people connect and learn and share. And now there's all kinds of things out there like Creative Live and Wedding School and all these different things like that. But back then it was kind of a... a, a you know, a one of kind thing. There were some, there were some photography forums, some online forums, but this really took it to the next level where we had like video on the internet, which was crazy back then, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. it was just like, so I just started again, sharing and helping again, as I built my photography career, um, and I started getting some notoriety and I started making some money and I started doing really, I just, I'm the kind of person like, I'm always like trying to help other people out. And I believe that the rising tide raises all ships. Mm-hmm. So we just started helping other photographers instead of like being really protective or secretive of like, you know, what I was doing in my business. I just started sharing and I said, Hey, look, let's all do this and let's all try to elevate our game. And so, yeah, I, I, we started working on it in 2006. We launched it officially, not until 2008. And then we actually closed it in 2014, you know, right about the time I moved to St. Louis, it was kind of like, we it kind of had run its course. We ran it for seven years and we shut the doors about seven years ago. And, uh, but like I said, I'm just, just a big believer in trying to help people out. And it was just a, it was a really fun community. We had a couple thousand members Wow. and, and it, and it was just great. Cause I met people from all over the world and, and again, it was always about elevating the business of wedding photography. What led you to believe that it had run its course, given the number of people that were members of it? Well, I'll tell you what, we were making really good money and then all of a sudden we weren't. It, it kind of had, it got to the point where um, Facebook groups opened up that summer, a summer of, uh, the summer of 2013 is when Facebook groups first started. Okay. So at that point, a lot of the photography forums kind of went away because why would someone pay to belong to a forum when mm-hmm. they could just join a Facebook group for free? And then also right about that time, Creative Live came out. And, you know, before that, there wasn't a lot of photography education 
online as far as videos go. And, you know, we were charging our $20 a month and we had, you know, thousands of students and it was doing really, really great. But then all of a sudden it just, our, like one month our, our revenue dropped by half and wow. then the next month it dropped by half again. Whoa. And all, all the traffic went to Facebook groups and Creative Live and... Also, at that point, I had I had made about 500 videos for photographers. Wow. And to be honest, at that point, uh, I was out of ideas. <laughs> like, I didn't know what else I could possibly share about. <laughs> and so, it, like, the videos were starting to get repetitive, and I would talk about this again, and I would revisit that topic. And, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't have any more ideas. I've shared everything that I possibly could know. But then also that time, personal things were going on in my life. You know, I had a breakup uh, you know, with an old girlfriend. I met this nice new girl who I'm now married to. All that kind of stuff happens. And it was just kind of a, it was just time for a new chapter and it was time to shut it down and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to move on to some other things now. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, no problem. I do look back with such great affection. Like I'm so grateful to all the photographers who are part of the B school mm -hmm. and I still keep in touch with many of them. And I still see that a lot of them keep in touch with each other. And so there's some great friendships made and some great relationships. And so I'm very, very proud of that. And I still I still have the, a B-School blog up on like Tumblr. And so I mm -hmm. still have that out there. And, you know, I don't I don't I haven't updated it in years, but it's still just nice to look back through some of the archives and stuff. But like I said, I'm just a big believer in connecting and having people, you know, help each other out and grow their businesses that way. Becca, in case people are wondering, do you shoot with Canon or Sony or Nikon or Fuji? What do you tend to shoot with? You know what? Last summer, I switched to Fuji. Oh. Um, you know, like I said, I hadn't been shooting that much. I, I was, I was, oh gosh, back in the day, I started with a Minolta X700 camera back in high school. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, moved to the 7000i. It was that little camera that had the little, um, you could put in like a, it wasn't an SD card, but it was like a little chip that you could put in the side of the camera. <laughs> okay. It was nuts. But then I, then I did switch to Nikon. I bought a Nikon F4 back in the day and then. Uh, once we switched to digital, we got Nikon D1Xs back in 2001, right when they kind of first came out. Mm -hmm. um, bought some of the Fuji early digital cameras, like the S1 and the S2. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, switched to Canon. And I would say I shot most of my digital career on Canon cameras. And again, because my photography career has been kind of going from my full-time profession and I'm turning it into my side hustle, um, I, I haven't been shooting as much. And so I just wanted to kind of uh, get something a little bit lighter. So I have a, a Fuji X-T3 and just a, a couple of lenses and it's been really fun. But now that Canon's new mirrorless cameras are out, I'm like, oh, I should switch back. But uh, <laughs> like I said, photography is not my main job right now. So like the thought of investing thousands and thousands of dollars in gear again does not seem very appealing right now. Uh, but my, my wife's a Canon shooter and she still has some of the gear and she's going to get one of those mirrorless cameras pretty quick here. And uh Anyway, it's still fun to play around with all the technology and stuff. Okay, well, we're going to come on to it being a bit bit of a side hustle in a little bit later because I want to ex unpack a little bit more mm -hmm. about what your main thing is now. Um, but sticking with photography sure. for a second, um, the U.S. tends to be, in a lot of things, ahead of the U.K., and we, we tend to follow like one, two, or five years later, depending on what it is. So if you were starting mm -hmm. a, wed a wedding photography business today, how would you use social media to your advantage I would base it on social media. It seems like uh, all the photographers who I know who are still absolutely crushing it have incredible online presences through social media. Mm. And it's mostly Instagram, I would say. Uh, Facebook's definitely still a thing. Um, I, I'm not as 
as hip and familiar with the, the, the Snapchats and the TikToks and all that <laughs> stuff. I watch that stuff for, for some entertainment, but um, I haven't figured out how to like really monetize that or make it, uh, you know, marketing channel. But all, all of my very close friends who are doing really, really well in photography have incredible Instagram presences. They're posting every single day. They're posting an actual post, and then they're doing their stories several times a day, just the behind the scenes. And I think what happens is when you're building a brand and people, you know, you want people to get to know you, those little peeks into the slice of your life, those behind the scenes on a shoot, the behind the scenes while you're editing, just talking to the camera and letting people know what's going through your mind when you set up this shot or anything like that, mm-hmm. I think is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And and again, like using technology just to have this platform just to say, hey, this is what I'm all about. This is what I'm doing. And I think I so I think again, if I was really doing this full time, I would be a lot more active on social and just continue to share and and show off and hey this is what i'm up to this is what's happening check this out and and again just just getting content out there Mm. and i think again out of all the professions that can use instagram to market their business i mean photography has such a an advantage because we have really nice cameras and we know how to use them and you know we have this content like Mm. there's no reason not to be sharing photos every single day you know, I, I kind of built my my wedding business. I was very early to the blogging scene. I mean, I started blogging in like 2005 when, you know, um, people weren't even sure what that word meant. No. I had a t-shirt I remember back then. And it said, I blogged your mom. <laughs> and people didn't know what that meant. So, but I was just like, yeah, was, I blogged everything. And so I remember... I remember too early on some of my very first blog posts and this was this was not professional or meant to drive business. I literally just started a blog and was just documenting these little crazy stories that I would happen at weddings and but what what we started doing is once we realized like oh this is actually like a tool for SEO and people could find you. And then we just started blogging like we'd shoot the wedding and we here's uh, here's our 10 or 20 favorite images from that wedding and and then you link to the the baker and the florist and the hairstylist and just start connecting and networking with all the other vendors. And that became a really cool thing. And then now I think a lot of that is takes place on social media and just sharing and tagging and you know all that stuff. So Becca, one of the things you were saying there is about uh, shooting, you know, behind the scenes, you know, just talking to camera, just showing people about what you're doing in your everyday photography. That must be great if you're uh, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a listener. That must be great if you're in somewhere like Southern California, but if you're in, I don't know how, how much travel you've done in the UK, but if you're in a fairly sort of gray city in the UK and the sort of photography that you do, maybe you don't do uh, high-end weddings, maybe you're photographing weddings where, where the reception is in the local football club or the local rugby club, something like that. How would you, or what would you say to someone in that situation where their their life may not be perceived as quite as exciting as someone else's? Well, I think that your life is as exciting as you make it and stuff. And I trust me, I've, I've shot some pretty glamorous weddings and I've been all over the world shooting some fun stuff, but I've also shot some pretty average weddings and some pretty not even average weddings. <laughs> like some, you know, I've been, I've, I've done everything. And I think what happens is you just kind of let people know, like, again, what you're doing. Like, hey, today we have a really challenging situation. We're in a very dark reception hall. The, the ceilings are dark. The walls are dark. I can't really bounce my flash off of anything. So, hey, I, I set up these three external lights here and I use these triggers and you know I would just kind of share what was going on and then you know there's sometimes like I'm very fortunate like god bless my brides like the people who hired me for the most part like I had gorgeous gorgeous brides to shoot they were always photogenic they were always I, I had a theory that people who um 
that would invest the kind of money I was asking them to invest, mm-hmm. they liked having their picture taken. Because if they didn't like having their picture taken, they would not pay my rates, you know, because I charged a little bit more than everybody else. And so, um, or at least more than the average. And so I just felt like, hey, the people who had me at their weddings were photogenic. They wanted to be photographed. So I, I was just trying to, I would always try to make the bride look and feel beautiful. That was always my job. It's like, make them look good, but I wanted them to feel good, you know? And that was the whole thing. Part of my brand was just trying to make people like comfortable in front of my lens. I talked about relaxed portraits was like a signature of my style. It was like, yeah, we're going to pose some pictures, but we're going to do it in a really low key way so that you just enjoy yourself. So I think it is a matter of like, just where, wherever the wedding is. And I, I've been to the UK a couple times and um, yeah, I've always been in January, so it's always been kind of cold and gray and whatever. But but uh, still, it's a lovely country. And, and I, I mean, I, I photographed a wedding once in Ireland. Now, that was in the summer, but there was thunderstorms and clouds. But I was just blown away by like in this the, the castle that they had the reception in was absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The church in Galway was just it was really something else. And so I would just take these little behind the scenes clips and just say, oh my gosh, look, yeah, the, we're just waiting on the bride and the groom looks really nervous and we're just so happy to be here. That particular wedding in Ireland, it was the fourth wedding I had shot for this particular family. They had, this oh, poor guy wow. had four daughters. Wow. Yeah, four daughters. And so I did the first three weddings and then they called, hey, said, hey, uh, this last one is getting married in Ireland. I'm like, sign me up, let's go. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I said, I had known the family so well at that point mm. and, you know, I, I love those jobs when they just call you and they say, hey, are you open this date? And I say, yeah, yes, I am. And they're great. You're hired. I'm like, that's that's a, <laughs> that's how I always tried to run my business is just try to do the best job I could, take the best pictures I could. But then more than that, give people an outstanding experience, mm-hmm. you know, make sure they actually enjoyed being photographed. Make sure you gave them top notch customer service on the back end and make sure that they actually liked, you know, having you there and being a part of the whole process. And mm-hmm. so that way they're like, yeah, we did invest a lot of money, but man, it was worth every single penny. And so that's that was always my philosophy is just trying to elevate the experience. And that's why I called it the B experience, you know, with my little logo. Oh yeah. But that's what I delivered. I delivered the B experience, which included these beautiful relaxed portraits. I photographed moments as they happened. I would uh, capture the amazing details, all the money that they spent on all their decor and the the scenery and all those little scene setters their wedding. I wanted to make sure I photographed every single thing because they spent a lot of money on that stuff. And I'd put all that together in a beautiful album, leather bound album that this couple is going to have for the rest of their lives. And, you know, we took a lot of pride in making those albums because, again, after the wedding is over, that's all that really lasts. You know, sure, they get a back then a DVD of images. Now, of course, it would just be a thumb drive or just a digital download. Here's your files. But ultimately, we want to have them something tangible. And again, we loved our leather bound books that we used and, and gave them to them. So, you know, we took a lot of pride in that. Becca, how many weddings do you think you've shot since you started doing them? Uh, I was thinking about this last summer, and I think it's it's right about 600, plus or minus a couple. Whoa. You know, it might be a little over, a little under. But, um, yeah, I, I've shot, you know, several weddings. I, I started doing this. Uh, this this technically 2000 or 2021 is my 25th year as a wedding photographer. Whoa. And I actually and I actually did just book a wedding just the other day, just last Saturday. I booked one for this fall. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we only shot a handful of weddings last year due to COVID. We had a lot of cancellations. And when I moved to St. Louis and um, a few years ago, 
like, I, you know, I came from Southern California, which is a big market. And I'm, again, I was kind of a big deal. And I moved into this little small market of St. Louis. It's a very small city. And I thought I would just come into St. Louis and like, oh my gosh, I'm this big shot photographer from Southern California. And people are just going to fall down and worship me and hire me left and right. <laughs> and uh, it was really, really humbling because when I got here, and I and I met with a few coordinators and they all seem to like my work because, you know, again, I'm I'm confident to say I have really good work, but um, people weren't willing to pay what I was asking for. Okay. And again, it's a little different way of life here, different cost of living. But I remember the very first couple I met with here in St. Louis, I met them at like a, a really fancy coffee shop and I'm showing them my albums and we're we're chatting it up and they're laughing at my jokes and we're having a good time. And at the end, I pull out my price sheet. And the guy stands up and he points at like my middle package and he goes, that's our budget for the entire wedding. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, come on, come on, honey, we're getting out of here. And they literally walked up and left the meeting. And it was like, no. oh my gosh, did that just happen? Wow. Yeah. Usually people at least fake it or they don't say anything or whatever, but he just got up and, <laughs> and left and it was like, oh man. But then. And then what happened is like, yeah, the, the coordinators, they liked my stuff and they would send me a few referrals, but I was not booking the weddings. Mm. And I just, I just couldn't book a wedding to save my life. But it, what, what happened is then I basically became a second shooter for my wife's business. My wife's been here a long time. She shoots uh, families and uh, births and, and, and a handful of weddings. And so now when someone wants me for wedding photography, I just say, hey, talk to my wife. And basically if you pick her top two packages, you get both of us. And if you get her bottom two packages, it's just her. Okay. So there is an incentive for people to spend more money and get, get this husband and wife combo. My wife and I, we shoot great together. We have great rapport and banter and we have fun and we have a super fun, friendly competition. Mm -hmm. But then what I love about it is I still love taking pictures. Mm. Like, I mean, photography is just awesome. It's been a part of my life for so long now. But I hate making parent albums and I hate Photoshop and I hate Lightroom mm -hmm. and I hate doing all the, mm. the stuff. Mm. So it's so nice to be able to shoot with my wife and we have a great day. And again, we kind of, you know, uh, we send our kids off to her mom's house and it's kind of like a date day. Like, hey, any day without the kids is like, <laughs> it's a day off, even though even though we're shooting a wedding for 10 hours on our feet. But um, it, we have so much fun. And then I love it because when we get home, I'm like, here's the card, babe. See ya. And I'm done. <laughs> So, so I love that. And then she handles the back end and makes the albums and deals with the couples and does all the billing and the invoices and the email communication and all that stuff. I just show up and shoot. <laughs> Super fun. And I'll do that for a long time. And I, I actually second shoot for other local photographers as well. Okay. And I'm not like, I'm not too, I'm not too proud that I'm like, Oh, I'm a big time photographer. I can't second shoot for you. I'm like, I shoot for my friends all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I don't get paid very much, but it's like, Hey, whatever, I'll go out. I still love shooting. And I love handing off the card at the end of the night. I'm like, see ya. I don't ever want to see these pictures again. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, it's not that I want to see them, but I don't want to deal with them. Mm. I don't want to be responsible for them. You know? Do you remember those DVDs that used to go around the masters of wedding photography? Yes. Uh, Joe Busink was being interviewed on one yes. of them and i think that he used to hire another photographer to come into his, to the weddings that he was shooting not so much yes. because he didn't like you know doing the things that you're talking about but because he wanted to be able to go and capture those moments which weren't the expected shots. That's exactly what he would do. Joe, Joe said he would like to second shoot the wedding. So he'd hire someone to do all the family formals and all the, like the traditional shots. That way Joe was just free to get his magic. And that's mm. what he, he had such a gift of doing that and just blending in and just shooting his shots 
and just doing what he did. And he's an absolute master and I'm lucky to call him a friend. I've known him for several years and, you know, I've been able to have some meals with him and, and spend time with him and hang out at his studio. And he is just such a incredible um, photographer and then just also just incredible thinker the way he does approach it. And he just has so much fun, just kind of basically second shooting and let somebody else be responsible for all the the shots that mom has to have, those like <laughs> family formerly. You got to take them. You can, like, I don't care how into photojournalism you are. You have to take those family pictures or people are going to flip out, you know, moms especially. You know, it's like everybody's dressed up. They're looking good. You know, there's a professional there. You better you better get a nice exposure where everyone's eyes are open. <laughs> and so so but Joe, Joe would have his second shooter do that kind of stuff. And then he would just float around and be creative and, and mm. grab these moments and mm. and try these funky angles and. Uh, to me, he's the original fearless photographer. So I just, I love what Joe's been up to. So, Becky, you strike me as an early adopter, if you don't mind me saying. Do you think that that's helped your photography business in the early days to get it off the ground and become successful? I think so. I, I definitely would consider myself an early adopter. I kind of like, you know, see these things coming out and I jump right on it. I remember, again, when we first switched to digital, mm-hmm. um, you know, Gary Fong had us up to his place up in Canada and he invited, you know, 20 photographers or something. I had seen him at WPPI and he's like, hey, I'm, we're, I'm hosting this thing in Canada in like two weeks. You should really come up here. So I bought a plane ticket. We went up there and they were showing us prints. In fact, it was Gary and Joe Busink and Dennis Reggie. Oh, yeah. And they were showing us uh, images that were made from a digital camera. And it was only a 2.75 megapixel <laughs> digital camera. No. It was a Fuji, Fuji S1. And they were printing off 10 by 15s okay. that were beautiful. Mm. They were 10 by 15. It was You could get a really nice print out of that. You couldn't go too much bigger than that back then off of 2.75 megapixels. Mm-hmm. But like a 10 by 15, that's the size of our album, basically. Mm. That was the size mm. of our big album. Or 11 by 14, mm-hmm. same, same difference. But... But we would we I saw these images and it was like whoa this is really cool and so I got as soon as I got home from Canada I ordered my Nikon D1X which was 5.5 megapixels in 2001 and and I ordered that sucker and it took a couple months because there was a waiting list but I I was on that early edge of digital and I you know I remember I got that camera in July of 2001 and I just I, I got it on a Friday and I had a wedding the next day Whoa. and of course I wasn't going to shoot the whole wedding on this new camera because you know I didn't know how to use it but I shot mostly film that day and I grabbed a handful of exposures with this new camera and you know and I just you know I just experimented and so I I shot all the nice you know portraits of the couple with my film cameras and then I was just like oh, okay hey let me just shoot a couple with this And then I was like, yes, that's pretty good. And, you know, and I just got some practice. And so over the next handful of weddings that summer, each wedding, I would shoot a little less film and a little more digital as I got more and more comfortable with it. And then I also would connect with my photographer friends and I would say, oh, you have a wedding this weekend? I'm off. Can I come second shoot? And I'm just going to second shoot the whole thing digitally. I'll give you all the files and your help. You're happy. You're welcome to give them to your client. Um, if they turn out, but it was just a nice way for me to practice and get to know that. But so again, I got my, my D1X in July and then it just so happened. It wasn't planned this way, but the weekend before 9-11 happened in the U.S., that was on a Tuesday, but I, I shot back, back-to-back weddings that weekend and that was the last time I ever shot a roll of film. 
So it was really only about two months of the film digital hybrid for me. And then it was like, boom, it's all digital. Mm. There's like the quality was there. And then I loved that I could just shoot and shoot and shoot and experiment. And it didn't cost me a fortune. Back when I shot film, it was like, click a buck, click a buck. It was a dollar every time I pulled the trigger. <laughs> when I when I paid for the proof print and then the cost of the film. So it was literally, it was just like, okay, hey, I could just shoot like crazy with digital. I could experiment. I could try new things. And, and so I, I was really into that. And like I, I already mentioned, I, we were early on to the blogging and then er, I mean, early on to the Facebook. And when we started, like, I can remember like when you were able to like tag photos on Facebook, cause there was a time where you couldn't really tag photos, but now you could tag photos and we would tag the bride and then all of her friends would see my work. And of course we, you know, we put our little copyright and our logo on the corner of the image. So I can't tell you how many weddings I booked from Facebook, from like acquaintances of the brides, not just friends, friends of the bride or bridesmaids that would hire me all the time. But it was like, oh my gosh, I went to high school with this girl. I didn't keep in touch with her because whatever, I wasn't invited to the wedding, but I still saw your pictures and I loved her pictures and I would love for you to shoot my wedding. Awesome. And we booked so many weddings that way. So again, I always liked to be on that cutting edge um, of, of using technology, Again, using blogs. I, I remember back when I first got my very first website. Um, again, is obviously this was '95. Okay, so we're going way back. <laughs> now. I had a I had a friend of mine that I went to high school with. I graduated high school in 1991, and I was working in a photo lab. And this guy just came in. He he his dad was a semi professional photographer, and he would drop film off at our photo lab. And he asked me, "Oh, do you have a website?" And I said what's a website? <laughs> and he said, oh, it's basically a way that people could go and look at your pictures on their computer. And it was, it was nuts. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Sign me up. So he, he again, built me a website in 1995. And that's what I used to explain to clients. Like, oh, you could go on your computer and look at my pictures. It's really fancy. So ha having that website early on, and then, you know, my website was, um, was online before Google was even a company, you know? Whoa. And so it, was, it didn't even exist. But I remember after launching my website, like the day after, I don't even know how this person found it, but she found it like literally the day after it launched. And she's like, hey, I'm getting married down in Florida, which was about 3000 miles from my home. And mm -hmm. she's like, I love your pictures and I want to fly you in. And I was like, uh, okay, okay. Well, you don't have any photographers? Do you have any photographers in Florida? <laughs> like, I didn't know. And, but she just seemed to really like what I was doing. And I said, great, awesome. And I, I remember flying down to this wedding and I'd never met the couple. So I went to their rehearsal dinner just to kind of get to know them before their big day. And here I am at the rehearsal dinner. And I remember all the guests came up to me like, oh, you're that, you're that photographer. She flew in from Hollywood. And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't exactly, I live about 70 miles from Hollywood, but okay. Yeah. But, but I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, this bride has been bragging that she's flying her photographer in. Yeah. And at the time I was young and I was single and I didn't have a family or any obligations or responsibilities. So I started booking weddings all over the world. I was in the Bahamas and Bermuda and New York city and all over Florida and all over Mexico. And again, because I had this thing called a website <laughs> and people seemed, seemed to like my work and then they liked my work and then they just call me up. This is way before FaceTime or Zoom. I remember I did some early on Skype meetings when that kind of came where you would just talk to me, but mostly it's just the phone. People would get on the phone with me and they'd either like what I had to say or they didn't. Obviously, if they called me, I could assume that they already liked my work, right? Because they, they looked at my website 
and they called me. If they didn't like my work, they wouldn't have called me. So, so I always reminded photographers, if any bride ever contacts you, they already like your work. Okay. So have some confidence in that and believe in that. Cause if they didn't like your work, they, they wouldn't, wouldn't have got you. in touch in the first place. Yeah. So, and I, I can't believe how many photographers like still struggle with confidence. It's like, they called you, they like your work, you know? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I just believed in myself and then it just came down to chatting and, and seeing if this would be a good fit. And so then I, again, I was booking weddings all over and, you know, it's taken, I've shot a bunch of weddings in Italy. I've been to the South of France. I've been, like I said, all over the islands down in the Caribbean and Bermuda, Bahamas, all that fun stuff, Jamaica, all these fun places that my camera has taken me. And, you know, like I said, it, it's been a great career and I do, I do love photography, but like I said, I'm just kind of over it. And then, like I said, I'm kind of moving on to some other things in my older age here. So, you know, well, let's take a look at that in that case, because I, I know you, there's the fat loss coach side of your business. Yeah. Tell us a little bit yeah. about what being a fat loss coach is and what just generally what that's all about. Yeah. So again, here I am shooting weddings all over the world for the last, you know, 20 years or so. And, um, I was always a kid who was, I was a little overweight as a, as a kid and then grew up and became more overweight and more overweight. And, and here it was, I was traveling the world, shooting all these weddings, um, lots of travel, lots of eating out, lots of, um, you know, and then also I was living alone. I was a bachelor. Mm -hmm. I was single. I didn't know how to cook. And so I was eating out. I was getting restaurant food delivered mm -hmm. or I'd eat at restaurants a lot. Because mm -hmm. again, back then I was making a ton of money and I had zero time. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to this restaurant. And, you know, like I said, I always struggled with my weight and I tried all kinds of personal trainers and all kinds of diets and shakes and pills and supplements. And I wasted so much money on that kind of stuff. And then it was about 10 years ago where I kind of just found a low carb diet and I just kind of tried it for myself. Tim Ferriss did his four hour body. And I just, I, I liked his four hour work week book. I really, and that was kind of the book that kind of inspired me to get B school going Okay, was to build this residual income. And so Tim Ferriss was very influential. So when the four hour body book came out, mm -hmm. I already liked Tim and I just said, Oh, he's got this, what he calls his slow carb plan. Mm -hmm. So I hopped onto his plan and I promptly lost 70 pounds the first year I did 70 this pounds. And I was like, yeah. And it was like, I was like a new person and it was crazy because it's so funny how everything works out, but I, I started doing his plan. I lost this weight. And the funny thing is that summer, that following summer was the first time I'd ever came to St. Louis. And that's when I met my wife. Okay. So right. I, I just think back to like, if I would have met my wife when I was back at my highest weight, uh, I'm not saying my wife's shallow, but yeah. <laughs> she would not have given me her phone number. She would, <laughs> she was like really, really into health and fitness. She's like a yoga person. I mean, um, she's like just really into that, but like she, she would not have given me her phone number. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident in that. Mm. Um, or, I mean, whatever. She might have hung out with me, but she would not have been, you know, like I said, we would not be married, I don't think. But so I'm so grateful that, like, the fact that I got on this, like, this uh, healthier lifestyle. So anyway, I just kind of did it because I, I was sick of being overweight and I just needed to um, to lose some weight. So I lost, like, 70 pounds. I kept it off for a couple of years and I was doing good. And then, again, like, again, then the B school kind of went away. Um you know, and I had this long distance relationship and then, you know, I ended up moving to St. Louis and then it was just like, there's just all this stress and all this stuff going on in life. And I kind of got out of my new habits and I started gaining the weight back. 
And it was like, okay, you know, like I said, I moved to St. Louis, which was kind of traumatizing because I spent my whole life in Southern California and Mm -hmm. I missed all my friends and my family. And sure, I've got this new relationship and with this amazing woman. But I I was like, again, I was just like seeking comfort in food and stuff like that. And so, uh, and then we find out, oh, we're going to have a baby, you know, and uh, we weren't, we weren't married at the time. And it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Um, But, but what I'd realized as my wife was pregnant and growing her belly, I realized my belly was growing again. (laughs) And so I was like, oh no, I like, again, I already mentioned, like, I'm going to be a first time dad at 41 Mm -hmm. and I, I need to make my health a priority. Mm. So at that time, that's when I really got back on track. And I know that I'd lost weight by cutting carbs a few years prior. And so I started doing that. And then what happened was all my photographer friends were just like, dude, how are you doing this? What's going on? What's going on? So again, at that time, again, the B school was closed. So I didn't have anything on the side besides my photography. And so I just started hosting these little challenges um, to help people lose weight. And at first it was mostly my photographer friends because people knew me from Twitter and Facebook and all these photography conferences. And so all my photographer friends were like, yeah, I want to lose some weight too. And so I started just kind of doing that on the side. And uh, I think you did one of the early challenges and lost a few pounds and stuff. And um, yeah. And so it's just one of those things where like after doing this and after struggling with my weight for my whole life and knowing how hard it is for some people, Mm -hmm. um, some people can lose weight and it's not a big deal. And some people can just have a, you know, nice fit body no matter what they do. And God bless them. They have a real healthy metabolism. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't. I I had, you know, I had all these issues and stuff. And once I started studying all the nutrition and the health and all that stuff, I just got really passionate. I just feel really like, compelled as a former fat person who knows what it's like to struggle that like I just started again building a business to help people not just lose the weight but keep it off because mm-hmm. that's the real thing. Like any diet you try, you can lose weight, okay? It's what happens to the keeping it off is the trick. So that's what I've been up to these last few years. And I've been turning, again, my side hustle of like the fat loss coaching into my full-time job. And then my photography full-time job is now kind of the side hustle. And I just shoot stuff here and there as it comes up. But again, I've just been really passionate about helping people understand what is nutritious, what is actually good for you. And I think a lot of it stems from like the traditional advice is just rubbish. It's just absolute crap. They told us the wrong things. They, they guessed about some things in the seventies and they were wrong, but it just, it was too late. You know, there's just all these just things that go along with it. And so it's not just, it's not just teaching people like what to eat and what not to eat, but then dealing with the, the mental aspect of that, you know, it's like the habits surrounding eating and the emotions that get charged with eating. So that's why I've just been on this mission to really try to help people again, lose the weight, get healthy, um, really just become the best versions of themselves. Cause that's the thing here. I'm 47 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've never been stronger, leaner, um, I, I feel like I'm reverse aging. You know, I had my passport redone a few years ago. And, you know, when, when I was, when I was 40, I looked like I was 30. When I look back when I was 30, I looked like I was 40. Okay, I mean, yeah. you could have just swapped the two photos. Yeah. Um, and I eat this way because again, I have young children. I'd like to be around for them to grow up. Mm-hmm. So for me, it really is about health gain, not weight loss. Mm-hmm. The weight loss or the fat loss just happens to be a nice bonus. Mm-hmm. I just eat this way because it's really healthy and I've got tons of energy, you know, and I just I just feel good. And so I love the way you position that of it being health gain instead of weight loss, because naturally, you know, the idea of losing something is less appealing than the idea of gaining something. And so gaining the positive is 
it's going to feel better than trying to shed the negative. Yeah. Well, and again, when I started to, I just wanted to lose weight. I didn't care if it was healthy or not. Mm. I just, I did not like having man boobs. <laughs> I did not like being overweight. I did not like being out of shape. I did not like that I struggled to tie my shoes. Mm -hmm. And so, but so I, I just, I just wanted to lose the weight. I didn't care if it was healthy. And so I lost all this weight. But then as I started doing the research and I looked into it, I was like, oh, of course this is healthy. Of course this is what you're supposed to eat. You're not supposed to eat the processed food and the packaged junk and all that stuff that sure it tastes delicious, but, um, you know, but it's not really good for you. And so that's what it, it, it for, for me now, it, it really is about that health gain. And if you just focus on gaining health by not eating food that you shouldn't eat or put certain things in your body, like the weight loss is just a natural side effect. And then you get back to this strong, lean, flexible body and doing that kind of stuff. So it's, it's been a quite a journey. And again, like I still love photography. Um, hopefully your listeners can, can hear that in my voice. I've been doing photography for a long time. I'm very passionate about it, but I'm just really, um, I'm just even more pumped about this because the kind of feedback that I get from my clients, it's like, it's, it's literally life changing. Mm. When you lose this much weight, your, your whole life changes. Hey, you got to buy a new wardrobe, <laughs> which is kind of annoying, but it's fun <laughs> to shop for new clothes. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, you got you buy new clothes, but it's just like, I just feel like I have a new lease on life. And yeah, losing the weight was awesome. Losing a hundred pounds was great. I'm very proud of that thing. But I eat this way because I feel good every day, tons of energy, and I know it's good for me. And that's the ultimate thing. And like I said, having these young children in my life, starting late as a father, I, you know, getting a late start as being a dad, I'm like, I would like to be around to watch these children grow up. And so like my health, that nothing, that's the thing. People get to their end of the life too. And they're like, oh, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. No, people wish they spent more time with their family and they wish they're healthy, you know? And so that's the whole thing. Like health is the ultimate wealth. And I say this all the time because I don't make nearly as much money now as I did when I was doing weddings every weekend. But I've never, I've never felt richer because I've got this family that loves me. My wife and I have a beautiful relationship and I, we have these healthy, happy kids. And I've just never felt more wealthy in my life that we have a great life. Yeah, I, you know, I might, maybe don't have the car that I want to drive or the, the biggest house on the block, but like we're happy and we're healthy. And to me, that's all that really matters. And surely a lot of other people that you've helped on that journey, on, on, on their journey on the way as well. Yeah, well, that's the feedback that I get from people and just seeing how different it is. And again, like I said, any diet you try, you will lose weight in the short term because mm -hmm. all diets work. But really, just about all diets will fail in the long run. So for me, it's all about helping people adopt a healthy lifestyle. And how do we do this? So this is just how I eat. Now, I'm not saying I never eat a carbohydrate. When I go on vacation, whatever, um, you know, special occasions. It was my wife's birthday last weekend. We went out, we splurged. I ate some stuff that I normally don't. But what you, ha what you do every once in a while is not a big deal compared to what you do every day. And so that's what we try to teach people. So some people like they don't want to try a low carb diet because like, oh, I'm never going to have a cupcake or I'm never going to have a, a beer or anything like that. It's like, no, it's not. That's not true. It's just you're just not going to have it that often. And every once in a while, you'll enjoy it when you do have it. But then again, it's just what you eat every day is what really matters. And so again, it's just about habits. And the nice thing is like the food that I eat is delicious mm. and I don't count calories and I don't like weigh my portions. I just eat delicious food that fills me up. So I never, ever, ever feel like hungry. And that's because that's always the worst when you're dieting and you're like, oh, you're just depriving yourself. Yeah. That's not a good place to be. So, so what so, do you say to people who's, who think that it's just some kind of Atkins diet or something like that? 
the Atkins was right on so many things, except for, you know, he, he was right that carbohydrates drive fat. The problem is Atkins didn't understand that there are all kinds of unhealthy fats. Mm -hmm. And those are the unhealthy fats like in vegetable oils and seed oils. And um, I just think the the overall, I think the biggest mistake that we ever did as human beings is the demonization of red meat. You know, people say that meat clogs your arteries and raises your cholesterol and all that stuff. And it's just simply not true. Like we've been eating that for our entire existence as human beings. And it wasn't until we started adding vegetable oils to the diet and, and excess amounts of sugar and processed grains where people started getting metabolic diseases, cancer and diabetes and obesity. And it's all it's not the meat that causes that. It's not the animal products. It is all these processed other things. So, you know, it's just like, yeah, the, like the Atkins, like I said, there's a lot of the Atkins thing that was good. There's a few things that aren't. And, and so what, what I'm really about is about helping people like I want to customize a diet to fit your life, whether that's paleo or keto or whole 30, or there's a bunch of different things to do. And it's like, it's not about like following certain rules that somebody else does. It's like, figure out what works for you. Oh, so that's, that's what my program really that's is. Good. What my program is all about now is like, Hey, here's some guidelines. Here's some general things you want to avoid. Here's some general things. Now everything else is, is negotiable. It's like, Hey, how, when you eat that, how does your body react? You know, does it drain your energy or does it give you energy? Does it make you feel good or not feel good? You know, and certain things like some people like dairy is one of those things. Some people can handle dairy just fine. Some people cannot. And so it's good to know that about yourself. I'm thankful I can handle dairy. I can eat cheese and and not have any issues, no digestive issues, no skin issues, nothing like that. And and some people cannot. And so it's like you got to figure out what works for you and make it so it is, again, a lifestyle. If you treat it like a diet, if you go on a keto diet for three months, I guarantee you'll lose weight. But after those three months, if you go back to your regular eating habits, I guarantee that weight's going to come back, all of it, you know? And so it's just a matter of like, well, what can you, what can we find a diet that you can live with and you could eat with like for 98% of the rest of your life? Barring those few vacations or special occasions, just like this is just how I eat. And then every once in a while, Whatever, you know, live life, have a cupcake. <laughs> it's all good, you know. So tell me, Becca, these people that you help, what form factor do you, do you use to help them? Is it like an, a, a website or a, or a forum or is it one-to-one -one that you do over the phone or through Zoom? Tell me about it. I have a, I have a, I have a couple options. And basically, I, I do have a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. It's very, very expensive. And, um, and it's for people who are severely obese that need to lose 100 pounds or more and that you know are, are going to will are willing to invest in it and it is a one year commitment of this coaching thing um because it's uh like i said it's it's it, you're not gonna you know you didn't get fat overnight you're not going to lose it overnight you know it's going to take some time and again it takes it takes time it doesn't take very long to learn the plan, but it takes a long time to develop the habit. So like I said, we do require a one-year commitment, but for everybody else, it is group coaching and it's based, we basically have our own private community. There's a, an automated course that you could watch lessons on this and that and whatever, and you can learn certain things. And then we do have like, um, you know, regular Zoom calls where you can pop in, ask questions, and because there's just so much information out there, and even within the low carb or keto, there's a lot of people doing keto, and I, to me, I think there's a lot of people that aren't doing it very well, and because keto has become so popular lately, it's kind of been bastardized, and there's a lot of people that are selling keto products, and we kind of have a general rule: if it says keto on the product, don't eat it because you should be eating things that don't have packages, you know? Uh, okay, um, yeah. You know, just don't eat packaged food. If it says like a keto bar, it's like, no, 
uh, a keto bar is called a steak. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, just eat, just eat meat and eat vegetables. And, and so that's kind of my whole thing. And again, it's been a, it's been a trip because again, for the first, you know, the last 30 years, it's been pretty much all photography. And then these last five, five years or so, I've been really into like nutrition and helping people. And, um, you know, it's just, it's something I, I take a lot of pride in and I take, uh, it's it just, it's very rewarding because again, I just know, I know what it's like to struggle with obesity and to have all these issues. And then now I know what it's like to not struggle with that anymore. And it feels a lot better. So like I said, I'm just trying to help people however I can. It's funny, Beckett. I, I can feel a real passion in your voice when you're talking about this, but also I could feel a real passion in your voice when you're talking about photography. And I can't work out where that bigger passion is. Maybe maybe it's earlier in your in, in your life you had that, you know, fire in your belly for the photography and you've still got it there as well but you've also now got it for something else. Yeah, I'm a passionate guy, Simon. When I get into something, I get into it. If we have an extra half an hour on this podcast, we could talk about poker, you know, because <laughs> I'm very passionate about poker. But no, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But again, I just feel like if I'm going to do something in my life, I'm going to do it, I'm going to give it my all. And I just feel like I think that's a good way to live life. And I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be doing it like kind of halfway. I just like, you know, it's as Yoda says, you're either do or do not. There is no try. And so I'm like, I'm all, I'm going to go all into whatever I'm doing. And so again, I, I, the last time I spoke at WPPI was five years ago and it was, it was actually right before I got married. It was actually days before I got married because we got married in Vegas right after WPPI because all of our photographer friends were in town, but I did my talk. And again, I, I shared my kind of my personal motto and my personal model is to help people grow into the best versions of themselves while I continue to grow and to evolve into the best me that I can be. Oh, I like and that. So, like, That's I'm good. Always, I'm, I'm always trying to be, when it was with photography, I was trying to, like every weekend, I would try to make last weekend's pictures look like crap. I wanted to step up my game. I wanted to be a better photographer. And now I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better coach. I want to be better with my fitness and my habits and all that stuff. I think too, it's funny because I think when you joined my program, it was called the Lazy Man's Challenge. That's right, yeah. Burn fat whether you work out or not was our tagline. <laughs> yeah. And it and I still 100% believe that that's possible because diet is going to control most of your body composition. But I, I stopped doing that because I didn't actually want to encourage people to be lazy. Even though I was, I lost most of my 100 pounds without working out one bit. I didn't jog a single mile. I didn't do a single sit-up. I would, I would go do CrossFit every once in a while or do a few exercises here and there, but not consistently. Because when you're overweight, uh, working out's not fun. And I didn't enjoy it. And I, felt, I figured I was allergic to working out because <laughs> I would always get really sweaty every time I worked out. Mm-hmm. But now that I've lost this weight, Ah, I actually like working out and I like building my muscles and I, and I love that my man boobs have turned into pecs <laughs> and I'm proud that I can, I, I'm proud that I could drop down at any moment and do 50 pushups without stopping. Get out, no I way. Can do 15 Whoa. pull-ups. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting fit. I'm getting really fit. And so, um, it's exciting for me. So like I said, I'm, I'm just always trying to grow. I'm always trying to get better. And I think that's just my advice to anybody. So if you're, if you've got photographers that are listening to this, it's like, great. Hey, Wherever you're at, you can always get better, okay? You can always step up your game. You can always refine your skills. You can always become a better photographer. And then also, you can always become a better businessman. You could get better at building your brand. You could get better at dealing with your customers and delivering that awesome experience. And so for me, that's what it's about. It's about evolution. It's about growth. 
Um, I don't know if you guys have this over here, but there's a beer brand over here called Dos Equis. It's a Mexican beer. They market it in America. The spokesman is the mo- known as the most interesting man in the world. Okay. But the tagline, the tagline is stay thirsty, my friends. And I think that's what it's really about. It's about staying hungry, staying thirsty, and never being content where you're at. Always trying to grow. Always trying to get better. So anyway, I don't know if that's a good way to, to wrap I love it that. up. Where, wherever you're at, you're, you can always get better. <laughs> Absolutely. Tough. You can always get better. Yeah. 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 Um, Becca, we're coming to the end, but I just want to ask you, one of the things I always ask people is three things that they're into right now and one thing that they never want to see again. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, again, I'm into nutrition and fitness. Uh, and it's funny because I'm into working out for the first time ever. And I'm into specifically resistance training. Um, I, I, stopped do go, I stopped going to the gym when all the lockdowns and stuff happened. So I do everything at home. But I, I use like the exercise bands, okay? And just and, and variable, variable resistance training is what it's called. So I'm totally into that. Uh, I did mention I'm into poker. So I do still like playing poker as like a, a fun little outlet and um, we get together every once in a while, my friends, we all mask up and we, you know, we, we're, you know, we, we're still playing poker here, here and there every once in a while. Um, I, I'm into, I'm into my kids. It's so funny. Cause I, you know, growing up, anybody who knew me in my twenties and thirties, I never wanted kids. <laughs> I really didn't. And now I just can't get over how much I love being yeah. a dad and how much joy my little girls bring me. And I'm so excited to meet my, my little boy next month. And then as far as what I don't want to see again, um, well, again, I would love for this, um, this whole pandemic thing to be over. And I think, uh, I think again, not to get too political, but I think people put too much faith in vaccines and masks and they don't put enough emphasis on taking responsibility for their own fitness and nutrition. Um, cause it seems like all the people that are having bad reactions to this coronavirus are people who are obese or have other conditions. And it's like, gosh, this has been going on almost a year now. You know what? You could have lost 90 pounds in the last year. Oh, it's a great way of looking um, at it, that, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like if you would have started my program back then, like I said, you'd be a whole new person by now and you'd be a lot more resistant. I'm not saying like, again, a keto diet's going to cure the coronavirus. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying the more metabolically healthy you are, the more you're going to resist any kind of disease or infection or anything like that. So... I just it'd be nice to get back to normal a little bit and again I'm just on a mission to help people get fit one person at a time and like I said just having a great time doing it absolutely love it Becca we need to wrap this up in a minute but where can people go uh, if they want to find you online to know more about you uh, my main website is thebecker.com. It links to everything. It links to my photography. It links to my fat loss coaching. And then I'm pretty much at the Becker on all the major social stuff. So Twitter, the Becker. Instagram. It's a great handle. The I love Becker. it. The Becker. Thanks. That's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Look, well, mate, it's been a real privilege having you here on the show. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much with us today. Right on, Simon. It was good catching up with you, brother. Wasn't that a whirlwind? So that was Becca, a good friend and a real example of how this industry that we're in of photography is so good because it connects us with people like him. I know he's going to be listening, so a big thank you to you, Becca, for coming onto the show. And by the way, if you want to see a before and after picture of Becca from when he lost those 70 pounds, then go check out our Instagram page. It's 9to5photo. That's a number nine and number five, 9to5photo. And you'll see the difference that a life change can make to a man. Now, our next episode, we're back in the UK talking to someone called Anya. If you've ever wanted to get inspired about working on personal photography projects alongside running your own business, then Anya will share all of that with you. So if you haven't already, then do go subscribe to this channel to make sure that you don't miss that when it's out. But in the meantime, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.